Alright guys, today I get to interview Brandon Greenplate, a man who was a 30 under 30, which is a big deal in the agent world. That means they're selling a lot of volume at a very young age. Turn that into become a real estate investor, owns over nine properties, is getting involved in some other businesses, is really, really starting to spread his wings. We're going to get to talk about what it's like to be an agent, what it's like to do high volume, what it's like to do high volume without having a big team, and then the switch over to investing. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show. Take us into it, man. Like, what was it like for you? Did you hit the ground running or, or did you have to walk a little bit before you started doing the big volume? Matt, my man, thank you so much for having me first and foremost. Freedom Chasers podcast. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, it was one of those things where I decided, graduated from Clemson University, came down here, committed 100%, said, I'm going to do this. I don't care what's going to get in my way. And I had something in my head. I'm going to flip the game on its head, right? It was one of those where I just slowly but surely, every day, day in and day out, committed to the craft, pushed and pushed and pushed. And before you know it, you know, like anything else, nothing happens good overnight, but the snowball started to build and build and build. And I'm sitting here today. I've sold over a hundred million dollars worth of real estate in my first four years, have over nine properties, starting to slowly build a team and you're just running with it, man. So a lot of effort and then it works, right? So like a lot of people think about this in terms of like their YouTube channel as an example, right? It's like, a, it's like a lot of work and then it works. Do you feel like the the working part of it came because you got better or because it just eventually started working with the amount of volume you're doing? Combination. You're going to get better the more you chip it away at anything. You're going to sharpen your skills, but also you're going to start to build your book of business. You start treating people right. You start doing things, the little things that other people in the business that have been doing it for a long time overlook. Highest in level service. I know it sounds so cliche, but going above and beyond on those little things really starts to get your name passed around. Young, hungry, check this guy out on top of at the same time sharpening your skills and then doors start to open and good things really begin to happen. So kind of walk us through what was your first year in business? What did that look like volume wise compared to this last year? Yeah, absolutely. So first year in business, if you look at a 12 month calendar, probably somewhere in that three to 4 million in sales. So I'm located down here on Hilton Head Island, resort community, high-end real estate, investment, short-term rentals, but mostly centered around the lifestyle of beautiful Hilton Head Island. So that first year it was doing the little things. It was setting up my branding, doing certain things as far as how I want to present myself and what my differentiators are, picking up the phone, calling expireds, cancels, withdrawals, and really understanding the business first and foremost. Once I started to understand the business, I think it was six months in until I had my first deal. My broker kind of just gave me some leads and threw me out there, which is perfect for me, at least, of how I learn is by doing. And then before you know it, in that first you know, six months, month six, I had three deals come together. And then the rest of that year was really good. End of my first full year, I sold an oceanfront $4.2 million house. And I was like, oh, baby, if I can sell this, I can do anything. So that was a big catalyst into pushing my momentum, you know, as far as what I think of myself, what I know my clients are thinking of me and to continue pushing forward. So that was year one, you know, three or four million. And I've been lucky to experience exponential growth. Year two, it was probably 12 million. Year three, it was 22 million, 22 to 25. And that was the year that got me 30 under 30 at age 26. And then 27 today, year to date, it's August. I'm at about 30 million in sales. Crazy. Wait, 30 million since January. Since January, 2023. I mean, so you're talking about, you were only two thirds of the way through the year. I mean, you've got another 
20 million to put on the books, right? I mean, if, if all goes to projections, you might hit 50 million this year. It's rolling. It's really, really rolling. Yeah. Fantastic, man. And, and it's so cool that you're in a market too, that has that, that difference as a price points and you can get that $4 million home, but I'm assuming it's, you know, I mean, obviously there's some skills, there's some branding things that have to happen, right. For a $4 million listing to trust you. What, I mean, you got one, it was like at the end of the first year you said like. End what? of year one. Yep. End of year one, you're already at the ability and skill level to impress a $4 million listing. Walk us into that specific transaction. What did you do? You felt like that landed you that listing. I think it really comes back to, you know, early bird gets the worm and people that stay consistent get rewarded. So I was showing up early every day. I was doing everything that I had to. I had a few good deals happen, but I didn't really have that breakthrough yet. This one was something that they called up on a million and a half dollar condo. So I'm like, all right, cool. This guy's a big buyer, biggest one I've ever dealt with before. And at the time, my broker was giving me some leads. And this was a lead that he passed along to me. He was out of town, so on and so forth. So I meet him. They're only in town for two days. Show him this beautiful million and a half dollar oceanfront condo. And I immediately know that this guy is a deep pocketed buyer because he's talking. You know, apparently there's already an offer on the table. He goes, oh, we'll go 100000 over. I don't care. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, okay, we'll, we'll talk about it. And then, and then we start chatting a little bit after we leave that property. And he's, do you have anything oceanfront single family? I'm like, oh, yeah, I can, I can do that. So they're leaving that next day. I find this house that is hilarious. It's gorgeous, gorgeous home. And get them in there. Absolutely, they fall in love with it. Fall in love with the listing agents there. The listing agent is um, like, tells how much he likes it. He, my buyer calls me over. He said, Brandon, I want to buy this house. He says, the listing agent who's there, call your seller back. I'm like, oh God, I don't think this is how these, you know, multi-million dollar transactions are supposed to work. Seller comes back. He looks the seller in the eye. The only thing the seller wanted was to never, ever rent the property out for the future buyer. They don't want that to be an investor. He looks her in the eye, says, I'll never rent it. I'll give you $100,000 over ask price. She says, deal, run back to the office, shake in, sign the paperwork, boom. And it was almost like a fairy tale story. So it was uh, one of those things. Once that happened, I was like, if I can do that, I can sell anything. And my confidence just exploded. Now you're 23-ish at this point? 23, 24, somewhere in there. My goodness. Four point something million, right? What is it like a hundred uh, plus thousand dollar commission check? hundred plus thousand dollar commission check. 23 years old. You what can say I, you what happens I got that the money. Answer. Does that get invested? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, we went straight down to... Uh, Virgin Islands and spent a week down there, but that's not how you should do it for the listeners out there. Right. You know, you got to take that momentum and keep rolling, but it was a big confidence boost for me. I rewarded myself a little bit, but I do give that to, if I wasn't there that day on a Saturday to answer that phone, that would have never happened. And it was because I was there 40 Saturdays before that, before something like that knocked on my door. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned Saturdays, right? You obviously, you could tell from your intensity, your energy, your actions, what you're saying. You love to grind. What did your calendar that first year, a couple years look like? How many hours a week? What days of the week? Great question. It was one of those things where I said, I'm going to treat it like a nine to five and I'm going to work Saturdays till three o'clock. So Hilton Head resort market, a lot of people transition from um, a vacation rental standpoint, Saturday to Saturday. So you can really only show during the busy season, a lot of these properties on Saturdays. So a lot of it was getting in no later than 839, you know, Monday through Friday, staying till five or six, doing what I have to do, staying consistent, prospecting, prospecting, prospecting. I cannot push that enough. 
as far as just touching these people. How you doing? What's going on? How's the family? When are you coming in town? And then Saturdays, you know, throughout the week, I'd be showing property, selling property, so on and so forth. Saturdays was the check-in, check-out day. That's when I was getting the most amount of people in. It was almost a requirement. And it was a change coming from, you know, fraternity life at Clemson, you know, no classes on Fridays to committing to the craft and making sure that I'm in the right place at the right time, on the right days, on the right hours to make these things happen. What was the thing that made that? I mean, because not everybody knows that they need to make that sort of commitment, right? Was that your broker speaking to you? Was that listening to podcasts, reading books? What, what? cued you into, okay, I need to focus on my craft and I need to, I need to really put in the hours. I'm a competitive guy, Matt. I see all of these agents on Hilton head down here, you know, coming down, getting into the industry. Same old, same old, same old. I wanted to commit 110%. When I started, I promised myself that I was going to do that and I was going to give it two years and I was going to see what happened. And I would not have felt complete if I didn't give it 110% for the first years. What did I have to lose? Right. I didn't have any experience in real estate minus a little bit of an internship. My family's not in the industry. It was an opportunity that um, presented itself and I've had a little bit of experience and I just knew if I wanted to go to where I wanted to go, that's what I had to do. And it was just part of committing to it. So people that are out there listening, if you want to get it done, it can happen. Just commit to it. Yeah, absolutely. So you committed to the hard work, you showed up, you are a very confident dude. At least that's the way you present yourself. Was that the case when you were 23? Did you have to do presentation training, you know, speaking training? Like, or, or did that, was that in you before you got in the business? So I was a business management entrepreneurship major at Clemson. I always have had a natural sales people ability. I love people. I think first and foremost, real estate is a people industry. And if you're good with people, you can be good in real estate. It was one of those things though, where my broker who I look up to more than a lot of people and probably the most out of anybody in the business that really didn't give me a formal sales training. I didn't go through a Keller Williams program. I mean, this is a boutique brokerage. This was a, a figure it out. So I'm an unorthodox sales person when it comes to my background in training, which almost I believe gives me a differential. I'm not, you know, by the books. I'm not, you know, obviously ethical, doing what's right doing what I have to do, doing what I tell people I'm going to do and getting it done. But I sometimes take different routes to get there. And I don't even know what traditional sales training is for real estate. I just know what I did. I know what I went through as far as getting in front of people, talking to people. What makes people's emotional heartstrings tick? What can I do to spark somebody's interest? And I, I knew how to get that out of somebody from just being who I was and combine that with real estate and finding what made people tick and either saying it or putting it in front of them. And that really showed me what sales is all about. And it's solving a problem. It's, you know, getting that emotional tie between a product and the client. Absolutely. So you got the skills, you got the work ethic, you got all this business starts booming. It starts going crazy. You stayed solo for a long time, a lot of transactions. You know, a lot of people are like hiring after their third transaction. When was your first hire? I mean, were you 40, 50 transactions in, 100 transactions in? I was probably 70 transactions in. It was one of those things where I felt the point of diminishing returns. I was tired. But also, I would not have done it any way differently because Throughout those 75 transactions by myself, 
I learned the real estate industry better than a lot of people because I'm doing operations, I'm doing marketing, I'm doing transaction coordination, I'm writing the contracts, I'm showing the properties. So it was almost just a learning curve that got expedited because I didn't bring somebody on for that long. And then when I finally did, this was July 2022, I spent a lot of time on the hiring process. Somebody that was local, has a lot of experience, paying them really good, and they handle my you know administrative roles, they handle my transaction coordination, all the minutia that takes me away from revenue generating activities. And that was at about 40 deals a year. So once people out there listening, if you're considering doing that, once you, in my opinion, 40 deals a year is a lot to do by yourself. And when you get to that point, you need to add leverage. And once I added that leverage last year, it was just a different beast when she really got rolling. So it was very well. And I wouldn't have changed the path on it though. Yeah. So once you get going and you start hiring, then generally as a factor of scale, then you're, you know, if you're, especially if you're bringing on agents, you're, you're increasing lead sources, that type of thing. What has been your main drivers of your business, you know, and the path to 50 million a year, you know, what lead sources are you using? How are you scaling those? Yeah, a great question. I do scale my lead sources and I have, you know, one thing that's really good for me, you know, I do some Zillow stuff, pay Zillow a little bit of money. I have a branded website that really talks about kind of my niche, which is short-term rental investment, investment properties, Hilton Head lifestyle. And I have got a Google ads guy that I think I pay him like 3,500 bucks a month for the Google ads and his service. And I just started getting a plethora of these buyers before they got to Zillow pick up the phone as soon as they register on the site. Hey, this is Brandon. Saw you registered on my website. Want to introduce myself, see how I can add value in your property search. And I really, really dug into that. And that started to bring a lot higher levels of volume. On top of that, you start providing that highest and best level of service. And you're just there for your clients to be successful. They will notice that they will start sharing your name. And you have the ability to be a little more picky and choosy with who you work with, right? Um, for me now, I'm focusing on stuff over a million dollars for the most part, unless it's you know family, friends, um, or somebody that you know I know personally. Now, fast forward today, I do just brought another agent on board who happens to be my younger brother. While he's going through the learning process, he is going to be the one that's you know handling the stuff under a million, and it just allows you once you built your brand name, once you have your business rocking and rolling, to focus on the high ticket dollar items and also. Go after the leads that aren't $500 a phone call like Zillow, where, you know, I can spend $3,700 on $20 a lead on the website and just get a much higher volume. Maybe they're not as quality, but it just gives me a lot more to work with. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. 
We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Yeah, love it. And kudos to you. I think one thing that you're, you're saying, I want to make sure we make crystal clear, you, you branded yourself in a niche. Like this is something I did so wrong. I see a lot of people now do wrong. And as I've become more in the marketing space, I've recognized the value of niching down. Like every agent is so happy to tell you they do everything. And you didn't do that. And obviously it sounds like you're attributing your, a lot of your success to that fact that you're able to run higher targeted advertisements that, that yield better results. 100%. It's niching down. And if, like for Hilton, for example, everybody says they're an investment friendly realtor. I'm, I have rental properties. I know what it takes to be successful. So I walk in the path of these people, which, you know, I think first and foremost for the people listening that you're trying to figure out their niche, think about what nobody in your market space is currently building around and what you thrive in in the market space. So for me, I had a background a little bit with the rentals, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. And I knew that nobody was really, everybody's all oh, the ocean broker, you know, Sea Pines, which is the biggest brand name. You know, you've got the, the lifestyle, luxury. Nobody was niching down on the true reason why people buy these resort properties, which is ultimately to vacation in their investment. And that's kind of a branding trademark that I came up with and put together. But that's the problem they're solving. They're building wealth while they're having a vacation property that they can come use four or five times a year and make memories with their family, with their friends, which is ultimately priceless. But then they can offset their expenses with the rentals while enjoying appreciation, mortgage pay down, cash flow, you know, all of the other good things that come with owning real estate. So it's finding what other people aren't exposing. And it could be something really simple and running with it and, and going deeper rather than wider. How, how did you know that the niche you picked was the, was the right one or the one you wanted? Yeah, great question. I would say, so when I interned for this company, Hilton Head Properties Realty and Rentals. So I started interning while I was still at Clemson. And when I was interning there, I was doing some rental stuff just as much as the real estate stuff. So it gave me an inside look onto a rental company, rental management, rental numbers. It almost kind of created that background for me for, okay, I see that side of it. And then I did the real estate stuff too and got into real estate. So it was almost something that I had a little bit of experience in already. And my parents, that's actually, they live on Hilton Head full-time now. That's how they got down here was, you know, a second home, vacationed in it, rented it, VRBO, Airbnb, so on and so forth. And then it, they moved down here full-time. So I had personal experience and work experience in a little bit of the rental space before I really got in. And when I knew it was really good was, People starting reaching out to me because I do a little bit on bigger pockets too, um, as far as just forums. I've sold $10 million from forum posts, which is unbelievable. But people just blindly in my inbox saying, Hey, I saw your big pocket post or I saw you somewhere, you know, we're looking for a short term rental. To, so just people, here's who I am. Here's what I'm looking for. You look like the guy to be, right? And I have a $2 million budget in my inbox. I've never talked to these people in my life, real leads, not even leads, hot inquiries. So that's why I was like, shit, man, this is, this is something I need to continue sinking my teeth into. 
So ten million dollars. I mean, for the average listener, I mean, if if you're making two and a half, three percent commissions on that, that's two hundred fifty to three hundred grand, right? For responding to these bigger pockets, give us a, a context. How many over how long of a period of time? I mean, if we were to like do a time value uh, study on this particular thing, how many hours would you say you have invested in, in responding to those forums? Maybe two hours. And here, here's the trick. So bigger pockets is an unbelievable re- lead resource for people that are in the investment space. You can pay a hundred dollars a month to get updated every time somebody mentions a keyword. So I'll put in Hilton Head, South Carolina, all my surrounding areas, Defusky Island, which is another island right here. Second, somebody comments about it. I'm jumping in. I'm throwing one of my properties on there saying I bought it for this. This is what it's doing today. This is what the equity in it I have. You know, and I specialize in investment properties on Hilton Head. One message, copy it with the link, paste, 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 reach out if you want to chat about it. So, you know, so it's it's unbelievable of just when I started doing that, I seriously had five or people in my inbox in the first month of spending an hour or two on it. That that was the best ROI for time invested that I've ever done with any type of marketing. It's probably limited in scale, right? Because you can only post and respond to so many because you're basically searching who's talking about your area. But you see a lot of people, like the beautiful thing about Hilton Head is it's it was developed. It's actually the first land plan resort unit development ever. So it was built for tourism to a degree. So rentals will never go anywhere. But then you have a lot of people posting. I'm looking at Myrtle Beach. I'm looking at the Smokies. I'm looking at, you know, West Palm Beach. And they'll slap Hilton Head in there, right? So you'd be surprised of how many people, you know, obviously Hilton Head, it's only 40,000 people, but three and a half million people come here a year. So for other markets, I think people would be surprised even if they think it's not a major metropolitan area. Put in Florida if you're in a small little beach town, right? Every time somebody, and swing them to where you are because what you have going on and who you are. Yeah, this is, I've never heard this idea. I've, I've heard of people doing bigger pockets forums. I've never heard of people paying to be strategically targeted like this. And the end result of this study we just did, two hours, $250,000 in commissions, $125,000 an hour, uh, probably one of the most cost-effective things I've ever heard of in my life. Unbelievable. So, Obviously, you got to work on a little bit, but to get the lead in the door. I mean, I had one guy that just trusted me so much from my online. And, you, you know, you put your profile together on Bigger Pockets, so you're showing what properties you have. This guy trusted me more than he probably should have, and he was right to trust me. It's like put him on a killer property. It was just one something popped up. I said this, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, all caps. Put it under contract the next day from a guy from Bigger wow. Pockets, right? Yeah. And now he's crushing it. That's so cool. When was your transformation from you to start investing? Obviously, you're serving investors and, and actually take me into the why. So you're serving investors. Was it just like, I can't let them make all the money. I need to make some money too. Or was it more like I need to invest so that I could say I'm an investor? What was the, what was the thing that moved the needle? Twofold. First, actually comes down to my first day as a realtor full time after I graduated from college. My broker, Robbie, was sitting down with me and he says, Brandon, you know, I'm, he, Robbie probably sells $80 million worth of real estate a year with an assistant. Been there since 1984. There's another guy in the office at the time. His name was Tad. And Tad's still around. He said, Brandon, me and Tad both started selling real estate in 1984 on Hilton Head Island. He said, he said I sell $80 million worth of real estate. You know, I make really, really good money. He said, Tad sells real estate when he wants. He said he's out there racing cars. He's out there having fun. He's doing whatever he wants. He said, Brandon, you won't believe it. Tad's worth so much more money than I am. And I'm like, what? How? You're selling 80? 
He said, Brandon, in 1984, Tad tried to buy as much real estate as he could. And I tried to sell as much real estate as I could. And that really freaking stuck with me. So that was kind of like the first piece of like, I really need to buy real estate. I really, really do long-term. Second thing that happened was COVID. So all what happened with COVID with these lifestyle locations is first and foremost, it was just a mindset change. People that were upset with who they were married to got divorced. People were upset with where they worked, they quit. Where they lived, they moved. It was a very big reshift in society and the way it thinks. And what we saw was the lifestyle locations explode. So in 2020, in April and May, there were more oceanfront houses on Hilton Head that sold than all of 2018 and 2019. A bunch of people, a bunch of cash. I'm out. I'm done with New York City. Sorry, I'm done with California, right? You know, the yeah. taxes, the blah, blah, blah. So I saw these prices spike. I sold properties to people where I, yeah, I made a $15,000 commission on a you know, $600,000 condo. Calling me up the next year, Brandon, I want to sell my property. I go to do the CMA. It's worth $1.4 million. They doubled their money. In it. So that was really the capstone on, okay, I like selling real estate. I like people. I like making money. But I see the value of what happens when people buy real estate, especially in a limited supply area like Hilton Head that's fully developed and hold it long, long term. Obviously, you know, that was complete another never happened before in form of appreciation like that. But I was like, I got to start buying real estate. I'm tired of selling this real estate and making $15,000. There's nothing wrong with making $15,000. But I saw what could happen. And that really led me into rocking and rolling on my first deal. There's a you know, saying, right? What goes up must come down. And, you know, obviously real estate goes up over the long haul. But how are you, given the, the steep appreciation that's going on, how are you thinking about buying your assets? Are you hedging against a possible, you know, downturn or? I think something important for everybody to know, of course, real estate goes in cycles. A big reality right now is we're 5 million homes short in the United States and we have a housing market that continues to grow and people that are continuing to live longer. So it's a supply and demand issue from a national standpoint until we start building a lot more homes or a lot of people aren't looking for houses anymore, which I don't think is going to happen. We're going to not see a bottom fallout. So that's kind of the comfort level for me as a whole. On top of that, Hilton Head's dialed up even more because nobody has to be here. Everybody wants to be here. The demand keeps growing. But I look at it as real estate, I'm not buying it to make 100% return. It's a long-term game. It is something that you need to look at as a 5, 10, 15 plus year asset. You need to buy it, you need to hold it, and you need to scale it. And I protect myself through value add, right? So I'm buying properties at discounts. I'm putting money into it or I'm upping the rentals on the front end. And I'm you know, keeping some money in there as far as what I could pull out, but also utilizing it and it's 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 a long term game for me. It's almost I like the analogy. I don't know if you ever heard of Matt the dam, right? The dam analogy, right? You're filling up water in the dam, filling up over time the cash or the mortgage pay down on top of appreciation, it gets bigger. And then you can take some of that water and move it to the next dam and start your next dam. So that's kind of the mindset I have. And I'm long term. I don't care if the market crashes, right? My properties are going to be able to continue to cash flow because I bought the right properties and it's a Long-term game. If somebody bought a property in 2005 here on Hilton Head, fast forward to today, which the market has even softened in 2022, you're still up about 15% throughout the biggest crash of real estate in 2008. So if you're holding these properties for 10, 20 years, which is my plan, I'm not worried about it. 
Love it. What's your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? I want 30 properties by 30, which is, which is a pretty big goal. And I want to sell $50 million worth of real estate this year. And I want to open my own brokerage that specializes in obviously investment real estate, you know, combined with the lifestyle. But I'm also, there's an opportunity down here, and this might not be in the next 18 months, but more or less to have um, an in-house remodel company within a real estate brokerage, because there's a lot of property down here that the dirt is worth so much money and people will pay a crazy premium for properties that are updated and you're going to get a discount on properties because nobody wants to do work on a second home. So that's kind of the mindset, the brokerage, you know, buying more properties and continuing to scale at an exponential rate. So do you think you'll essentially buy and then uh, pre-sell them built or what's your vision there? Well, with the construction aspect within the real estate. Yeah. You know, you get a lot of people down here that are looking to, you think about it, someone's coming down, they're buying, I had some good example, somebody bought a million and a half dollar house, short-term rental, great location, good condition. They wanted to put about $500,000 in after they bought it. I'm out here as an agent trying to line up contractors. They want three bids. Each contractor doesn't know, A, if they're going to even buy the house because they haven't closed yet. B, if they're going to even go with them. So it's it's like pulling teeth to get these numbers out of these yeah. contractors and people. Absolutely. That, so and if those, you are, those are hard. Animals, $500,000 our projects. It's a big bid. It's a big bid. It's a big bid. So that's A. And then B, you know, you imagine Matt, if a seller, I'm a seller, I call you up. Hey, Matt, I want you to come sell my place, you know. Um, you come over, you say, all right, you know, I can get you a million dollars for this house right now. I've got an in-house company that can come in and scrape your popcorn, put new countertops on, get rid of the carpet. It'll cost you 30, 40 grand. We can list it for another 200,000. Are you interested? Duh. We'll have it done in a week or two, right? So that's another scenario. Third scenario. Imagine if, um, you know, you come to somebody that is not, you know, upkept with the home. It's a beater. They have an unrealistic number for what they can get. They don't want to go through the process. Hey, we'll come in. We'll buy it from you. Yep. We'll send the renovation company in, right? We'll in-house renovation company. will fix it up, clean it up, either relist it or put it on the rental market and hold it. So that's kind of the idea with it. Love it. Love it. Love it. So obviously you're, you're going to be going bigger with the team, right? Going into a broker's model, scaling that, scaling the construction. Do you see yourself going outside of Hilton Head or do you see yourself just doing everything there? Absolutely. Absolutely going to go outside at some point. I really want to get the fundamentals and processes and everything down and then scale it in the aspect of move down to Savannah. Savannah, Georgia is about 50 minutes away from us right now. Absolutely exploding. Investors out there listening to this, you need to look at Savannah right now. Savannah, um, Jacksonville. So I'm focusing on the Southeast as far as like a five, 10 year goal. There's just so much money down here and so much money that's coming here coastal from charleston myrtle beach down to savannah jacksonville there was a report that um, wall street journal did just gdp shift i mean south carolina alone is gonna up their gdp in 20 or upped it in 2022 by seven percent from high-end people from new york moving here and paying south carolina taxes so the money's here it's just, you know, scaling outside of the town. So yeah, I do see myself expanding at some point. 
Awesome. Brandon, thanks you for so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business and your absolute rock star success with, with the, your age and speed is just absolutely inspiring. So those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 